My mom is crazy and awesome. My mom is the best. My mom is amazing. She um, makes funny faces. You're embarrassing your father, you need to stop. She'd always say that to us, which was so funny because he could care less. We're Surratts and we don't carry ourselves that way. Or we're Surratts and we get to go to church. Or we're Surratts and we stick together. So we're Surratts and was a mom statement. Yes, me and my mom, instead of saying I love you, we love Forrest Gump so much, so we say peas and carrots. Oh, she's proud of me. I love that. I'm a lot like her. <laughs> she would always go off about, it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside, but it matters who you are on the inside. And I remember one time she just kept saying, it's who you are on the inside and I know who you are is greater than what you think. She's, she loves me. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I love you, Mom. I love you, Mom. I love you, Mom. Yeah, good morning. It is great to see you guys. Welcome to Seacoast Church on this Mother's Day. And uh, just want to welcome all of our campuses as well. Uh, we are so happy to have you guys with us, uh, whether you're at one of our campuses or online. Um, it is going to be a great day. Excited to be in church with you. My name is Josh Surratt. And I'm Lisa Surratt. And are you thankful for your mom? Come, Come on. on. A little bit. Listen, my mom woke up super early this morning, showed up at our house. She constantly serves us like crazy so we can do what we do. And I love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. I get to do this. Sorry, so you have to bear with me. But thank you so much for all you do. Well, and I put Lisa to work on Mother's Day. She's going to sh help me with the message this weekend, which I'm excited about. And, of course, I want to shout out to my mom, too, the mom at the house, a lot of you guys know my dad is Pastor Greg, the founding pastor here at Seacoast, and you can kind of see his gifts, but uh, I wish that all of you had a chance to, to get to know my mom. She's kind of more of a behind-the-scenes kind of woman, but uh, she has sacrificed so much for uh, this church and for our family and prayed so much for church, and um, you know, people ask a lot, hey, how did all of you guys end up you know, in ministry and loving God as adults? And I, I think that dad did a great job, but it really go goes back to mama. Uh, she fiercely protected our family and time with our family. And so we want to honor our moms. I was thinking about my mom. Uh, and the thing that just stood out to me this week when I was thinking about my childhood, there would have been times when I was growing up where I would get, get ready to go to bed at night and I would realize I had forgotten to do something that I needed to do for the next day. Does that ever happen to you guys? Like for me, it would be, you know, homework assignment maybe, or, you know, maybe a, maybe a science fair project that we were supposed to have been working on for the last couple of months or term paper, you know, and so what, what I would do is I'd be too tired to do it that night, and so I would write a little note, say, Mom, uh, would you mind waking me up at some ungodly hour? Sometimes that was 5 o'clock in the morning, 5.30, and I would just slip it under her door after she'd gone to bed, and for some reason, I just expected that she was going to wake me up, and you know what she did? Every single time she would come through, she would wake me up at the right time, and I didn't think much about it then. Now that I'm a parent, I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, how do you even expect... You know, I, Lisa's a great mom. I don't know. If, if the kids put that under the door, like, that's just crazy. You know, I certainly wasn't going to write dad at the top of that note, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but moms, you guys just, you have something in you. You know, this innate uh, gift of just loving and caring for and sacrificing 
uh, for, for the next generation. And so we honor you today, we celebrate you today, and uh, just excited about what's going to happen. Uh, it's a big week for us with Mother's Day, but also Lisa and I had a big week. We celebrated our 14th wedding anniversary this week, which is pretty cool. Uh, she put up with me for 14 years. And uh, we had a great day on Tuesday, just uh, took our bikes over to Patriots Point, which is here in Charleston, and we, we took the water taxi over to uh, downtown Charleston, took our bikes on it, and just kind of explored. Uh, we were tourists in our own town and had a great time celebrating our anniversary. And something happened, though. We, each of us snuck away at some point during the day, and we did what you do these days on special anniversaries or Mother's Day. We, we did an Instagram photo of, of each other, just kind of to honor, honor each other on the, birth, or on, the, on the anniversary. And what was interesting, though, this time is both of us not only said the good things that you say, but we kind of put a little bit in there like that clued you in that it hasn't all been great. Like, for example, here's my post that I did. I, I did a picture of Lisa, which is great, and I said some nice things. But then you'll notice I said there have been great times and there have been some hard times, you know, but we're currently in a sweet season of marriage. And I wanted to just say that because I know that an Instagram photo is a picture but you don't get all of the story in a picture. We've gone through some really hard times. We've shared some of those with the church, you know, hard days, hard weeks. Uh, we've had some hard months uh, at a time and wanted to kind of put that. But you'll notice in Lisa's picture, she went into a little bit more detail on some of the hard times. So I thought we'd look at this together. Uh, said, in the middle there, she said, real. she said, don't get me wrong. He often leaves his dirty clothes on the floor, which I felt like um, I felt like you used the word often maybe a little bit too loosely there. Maybe sometimes uh, would or have been good occasionally. daily. Okay. <laughs> Today, I put them in the dirty clothes. I can assure you of that. Yeah. Waits till the last second to get gas, which is interesting because sometimes, I don't know if, man, if this happens to you, but I'll get a text towards the end of the day, uh, yeah, end of the work day saying, I need you to get home as soon as you possibly can. So forgive me if in an effort to serve you, I skip the gas station to get home, you know, and, and be there for you in a time of need. You're and such so, a good husband. Thank, thank you. Thank you, babe. That's awesome. And then she also said up here, um, and refuses to make me a salad. Now that's interesting because that was a little bit fresh uh, that day. We had, <laughs> it, was, it was lunchtime and she said, hey, would you mind making lunch? I'm going to run upstairs and, and take care of the baby or w whatever. And I said, yeah, I'd be happy to make you lunch. And like any good man would do, I went into the pantry uh, I checked to see if we had any Easy Mac in there, which we didn't. So I went to ramen noodles and I eventually said, you know what, I'll make a, a sandwich or whatever. And she goes, well, why don't you just throw together a salad? I'm like, what? Like, I don't do salad. Like, I'll eat salads, but I don't make salads. I'm not making us a salad for lunch. And, and she thought it was a big deal that I wouldn't make a salad. I mean, and, and so, to which I said, didn't you just do a message here recently on eating healthy and being disciplined you know with what, eating good? This is going to be the last time you speak with me. If you bring last <laughs> former messages, you can't do that. That's out of bounds. <laughs> and so she like throws this stuff into the bowl and, you know, like, I'll just do it myself, you know, whatever. And so she made us a salad. It was good. Made with anger and hatred, but it was good. <laughs> but there's a point to all this other than you guys counseling us through some tough times that we've had. Um, both of us, though, I think in, in kind of celebrating an Instagram moment, uh, I hesitated to do it without saying something about the moments that led up to that moment. Because Instagram and social media, you know, it's, it's a moment in time. And, and you don't see all the moments that led up to those moments. And, and the last thing that I want my friends on social media to think is that we've got this you know, perfect life or whatever. And, and so I think we wanted to do that. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I see people's Instagram posts and I just don't like them very much, you know? I'm like, I'm glad that you're enjoying Hawaii right now. You know, I'm not. 
and I, I hope you have a great time. You know, or I'm glad that your child is graduating with honors you know, this weekend and has a full ride scholarship to Duke, and that's, that's wonderful. Uh, but we're just trying to get through today, you know, and we don't see the story behind the story. You know, we don't see the fight that the couple had when the credit card bill came due for that trip to Hawaii. They didn't put that on Instagram, nor should they, you know, but, but uh, th- there's so much behind the story. And sometimes I think that, you know, we can be robbed of our joy because we compare our everyday life to other people's highlight moments that they put out there on social media. And today uh, we're in a series right now called AD. And uh, we're looking at the early church and we're studying the, what happened. We want to be a church at Seacoast that models ourselves after the early church. And we're tracking with a, a television show that NBC's doing called AD that uh, airs on Sunday nights at 9 o'clock. And, uh, but, but what we're going to study today is in Acts chapter 8, there's this verse, and I call it like an Instagram verse. It's a, a, a verse, a snapshot in the Bible of what happened in this city. And I want to show it to you. It's in Acts chapter 8. Verse 8, and it says this, it says, and there was great joy in that city. Isn't that a great verse? There was great joy in that city. That's the kind of verse, it should be a refrigerator verse. They should make Insta verses, you know, that have the pretty background. There was great joy. That's what our lives are supposed to be like. There's great joy in that city. When I think about a city filled with great joy, some of you may have lived in a city that, you know, they won the Super Bowl, the sports team there, or they won the World Series, similar to what Chicago is going to feel like uh, at the end of the summer when the Cubs win the World Series this year. A city is filled with great joy. It's like high fives and celebration, and this is awesome. I saw a Yankees fan just kind of grunt at me. I saw that, Jim. But uh, so a city filled with great joy. You know, I honestly, I'm naive enough to think that our city should be a city filled with great joy. Yeah, I believe that it's God's will for our cities to be filled with great joy. Wherever there's a seacoast campus, I think it should be a city filled with great joy, whether that's Somerville or North Charleston or West Ashley, James Island, Sea Island, Columbia, Asheville, Greenville, Manning, McClellanville. Because believers are there, I believe they should be cities that are filled with great joy. Moms, I think you could substitute the word family for city. I think God wants your family to be a family that's filled with great joy. I think our workplaces ought to be places that are filled with great joy. Our schools fill in the blank because where our believers are, it ought to be a place that's filled with great joy. But let's be real. It's not always that way, is it? Doesn't always feel that way. You know, home doesn't always feel like a place filled with great joy. Sometimes our cities don't always feel like places full of great joy. How do we experience great joy in our cities? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the seven verses leading up to verse eight, and we're going to see the story behind the story. We're going to see what the church actually went through to experience great joy. And I think we're going to learn a lot today about what we can do to experience great joy. So whether you're here uh, for the first time, you've been coming for a long time, whether you're a mom and it's Mother's Day, or, or whether you're here to honor mom on Mother's Day, maybe here for the first time, uh, I believe God has something for all of us today. Let's see, what can we do to experience great joy in our city? The first thing I think we need to do is we have to learn to persevere through the tough times. Persevere through the tough times. Let's look at uh, Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, kind of where the story starts. It says, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. It says, all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. 
But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Can, can you tell that that chapter didn't start off very well for the church? You know, in verse eight, we had the Instagram verse, great joy in the city, but it didn't start off very well. The church was going through some tough times. I see three different scenarios that they're dealing with. The first tough time that they're dealing with is the loss of someone close, the loss of someone close. We talked last weekend about the death of Stephen. This is one of their leaders. This is one of their family members. This is one of their own. One day he's leading in the single mom and widow's ministry, and the next day he's dead. He's been murdered. And we talked about it last week from Stephen's perspective, but can you imagine what it felt like for the people left behind? You know, someone that they love is, is here no more. You know, they're dealing with the loss of someone close. They're also dealing with the presence of someone crazy. It says that Saul was persecuting the church. He was going door to door, looking to throw people in jail. His, his life goal at that point was to make the believer's lives miserable, the presence of someone crazy. How many of you guys are dealing with the presence of someone crazy right now? Don't point. I, I see, saw some hands start to go, and they're like, oh, maybe that's not appropriate on Mother's Day. But yeah, all of us, right? We've dealt with the presence of someone crazy. Sometimes that's an ex, you know, uh, sometimes that's a child living in your home. Uh, if you don't know who the crazy person is in your life, you might be that person in your home. <laughs> but sometimes we have to deal with the, the presence of someone crazy. And not only did they, this, this wasn't just a crazy person, but it was a crazy person in authority. He had power. You know, some of you, your boss is that person who is someone crazy. And you know what that can do to make your life miserable. The loss of someone close, they're dealing with the presence of someone crazy, but then they also had to give up a place of comfort. The early church, it says they were scattered from Jerusalem. Now they're in Judea and Samaria and all these other places. And how many know they didn't choose that? The persecution caused them to have to give up their homes, places that they were comfortable in, and, and move into these, these new cities. Jesus had predicted in Acts chapter 1, he told them, it's on your outline sheet, he said, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, I'm guessing that most of them thought that was going to happen on a volunteer basis, right? I mean, who's going to go to Samaria? Who's going to go to Judea? I'll stay here in Jerusalem where I'm comfortable here. This is my hometown. This is where I'm at. They didn't know it was going to happen this way, that they would be forced because someone's going door to door, that they'd be scattered and separated and thrown out of their homes, and they find themselves in this place called Samaria. You know, the, the church had to persevere through some tough times. Don't be fooled by the the great joy in the city. Often the journey to great joy leads us through some tough times that we just have to, have to get through. There's no way around it. I wish that the script didn't always have to go that way, but the reality is that part of our journey towards a city filled with great joy are gonna be seasons of tough times. Some of you are there right now. Well, what do you do when you're in a tough time? You persevere, persevere. The dictionary defines that as steady persistence in a course of action, especially in spite of difficulties, obstacles, or discouragement. Steady persistence. I like what the message version of the Bible, they paraphrase it, they call persist, or perseverance uh, passionate patience. And I like that, because it's not just patience, it's not just getting through something, it's passionate patience. It's knowing that a, a new day is coming soon. Sometimes I think of perseverance as like th those moments when I was growing up and my dad said, just go to your room, and wait, and I'm gonna be up there in a minute, and I'm gonna bring some 
discipline. In our home, that was some spankings. And, I, and perseverance was just like closing your eyes and waiting until this hell on earth is over, right? And I, I think that the Bible gives us a better picture of that. It's, it's waiting, but it's waiting with a purpose. It's waiting because you know that God is doing something in those tough times. It's developing some stuff within you. Romans chapter 5 gives a great picture of that. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. See, perseverance leads us to a place of hope. You know, I'll never forget um, one of my more challenging days as a mom. It was a couple years ago, and it was a rainy spring day, and we had been stuck inside all day. And my son, Miles, was five years old, and my daughter, Greta Kate, was three. And we had just had a tough day. Uh, it was one of those days Miles had colored all over the walls. Um, he had been pulling his sister's hair. They were just fighting and grumbling. He was being sassy. And um, I just thought, okay, well, I've got to push the reset button. And so I decided let's, we're going to go outside and sit on the porch swing. We're going to have a heart-to-heart talk and figure out what is going on with this little boy. So I sat him down and I said, Miles, buddy, I don't understand. You don't ever act like this with your daddy. Why are you giving mama such a hard time? And he paused for a minute and he said, well, mommy, I just love daddy more than I love you. I didn't tell him to say that. Talk about a stab to the heart. I didn't realize it, but uh, my daughter had been hiding uh, on the porch and she had kind of overheard this whole conversation. And although what I wanted to say was, boy, I cook you dinner, I buy your food, you know, I take care of you, I brought you into this world, and I'm about to take you out. <laughs> I held my tongue and I just said, go to your room. So he went to his room and my daughter uh, comes up and as I'm sheepishly trying to hide my tears, she comes over and in efforts to console me, she says, it's okay, mommy. I love daddy more too. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. We were actually, after one of the last services, a guy came up and was talking to us, and he said, talk, talking to Lisa, he said, great job, and she was like, yeah, thank you, you know, talking about kind of how it can be stressful sometimes to speak, and he goes, well, you need to remember that unlike your children, the church loves you a lot more than Josh, so you, you're good, so I thought that was, that was good. Well, some days you just have to persevere through those tough times, right? And, you know, um, I was reading this great devotion, it's for moms, and it's really short devotions because you know how it is, you have like 30 seconds to do a devotion, you're hiding in the bathroom with the door locked while they're sliding things under the door, right? And so um, I was reading this devotion, and um, Jen Hatmaker talks about, she says, motherhood triggers something that went dormant about the time we left middle school. We're seated with this desire to be well thought of, to be admired, to be affirmed in our hard work as moms. We tend to report our babies as sleeping longer than they do, our discipline is working more often than it does, and our systems as creating some efficient home that doesn't exist. 
We are masters at propping up our lives, spinning a thread of truth into an elaborate tapestry of grandeur, when in fact, during young motherhood, most of us live in a poop storm. I'm just saying. Lady, ladies, the struggle is real. And, you know, whether you are in a literal poop storm, as I was just the other day, I'm like, start a bath, please. Uh, or you are just in the carpool lines. You're feeling like the maid, the chauffeur. Um, you know, you're, you're really just trying to manage it all. Or maybe you're struggling with a teen or a wayward child. I just want to encourage you, persevere through this time persevere. The Lord has joy for you on the other side. Just hang on and he's going to bless you. That's good. And some of us are there right now. You know, you're just, the reality is you're in a tough time. Uh, maybe you're in a marriage and it just, it's not working right now. It's not, you know, you, you guys aren't on the same page and it's a tough time. And I just want to encourage you, don't, don't quit. Uh, persevere through that. There's a difference between just waiting, you know, for a good time to get out and waiting with an expectancy and a hope that God's going to bring a new day and that, that, that this chapter is going to turn and, and we're going to have a new fresh start. You know, some of us, maybe uh, Mother's Day is just a hard, hard day for you. And, you know, it, it represents tough times. Some of us, maybe you've lost a mom uh, recently or maybe you've struggled to have children yourself and Mother's Day is a reminder for you of, of hopes unfulfilled yet to this point. And I just want to encourage you, if that's you, A, we love you. Uh, as, as a church, we want to support you and, and love you through it, but we want to encourage you to keep fighting, to, to keep hanging on, to persevere through this time. You'll probably find out on the other side of it that, that it was a strength that was not your own that got you through it. There are just times in our life that we have to persevere. I was talking to a business owner in the church, and he was saying, man, I, I, I just think back to the days that I was making about $3 an hour because we were doing whatever it took and fighting. And then, you know, th there was this vision to start a business and, and we, we knew that th there, was, there was a win here somewhere, but we were in the early days of just fighting through the hard days. And there are just some times that you have to persevere through. Great joy is coming, but sometimes that journey requires us to persevere through some tough times. But there's a second thing I think we can learn from the AD church, the New Testament church. And it's that we have to learn not only to persevere through the tough times, but we have to turn the obstacles into opportunities. We have to turn the obstacles into opportunities. Look at verse four of, of Acts chapter eight. It says, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. I, I love a good, a but in the Bible. You gotta pay attention to the buts, all right? Guys are all of a sudden, they're with me. Uh, if, if there's a but in the Bible, Lisa, you said poop, I can say but, all right? Uh, but Sorry, Mom. It, it, means that, it means that the story's not over, right? It means that there's, there's something new that's getting ready to be brought into the equation. There's something different that's going to happen. And it says, but the believers who were scattered, they preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. You know, when we go through these types of troubles, remember, they've gone through the loss of someone close. I mean, that's grief. They've gone through, you know, just the presence of a guy making their life miserable. They're, they're uncomfortable. They're in a new place. Often we go through stuff like that and we want to let those circumstances define us. And, and maybe, I don't know about you, but if, if I came through that and I get forced out of my own house into a new city, I'm not sure that what I'm going to be talking about is the gospel. You know, I might be wanting to vent about all the stuff that I've gone through or the people that have wronged me or whatever that is, but these guys were different. They recognized that when you go through significant challenges, you have a very unique opportunity to preach the gospel. You know, when you, when you survive through significant obstacles, it's like God gives you a megaphone to the people around you. People pay attention. They want to hear what you have to say, especially when you come out of that, talking about your faith, 
in Jesus. I had the chance to experience that personally this week. Uh, I hung out with a friend of mine this week. His name's Roger Allen. Some of you guys may know Roger. He's a business owner here in the community. Great guy. Uh, owns a bunch of uh, great clips in, in, in the area. And Roger had gotten to a point in life about three and a half years ago where uh, he reached a place in his career that he was able to really start to experience some of the benefits of his hard work. He and his wife, Karen, were beginning to travel a little bit more and enjoy life a little bit more. They were able to give back uh, to, to the church and other things that they'd wanted to do for a long time because God had blessed them financially. He was going to train for a marathon by his 65th birthday, just kind of enjoying this season of life. And three and a half years ago, Roger got a diagnosis of a, a, a malignant tumor in his stomach the size of a basketball. And thus began a journey in the last three and a half years of surgery after surgery after surgery and chemo treatment after chemo treatment and radiation and new trials and other, you know, and they spent the last couple of months going back and forth from their home here in Mount Pleasant to Sloan Kettering Hospital, which is in New York City. It's one of the best cancer hospitals on the planet. And just a few weeks ago, his doctors there said, you know what, this, this treatment isn't working. You know, it, it's time to, time to probably go back home. We, we can't do anything else to help you. And so Pastor Michael Morris, uh, who's our care team pastor here, uh, leads in the chapel. He and I went out to Roger's house on Monday, you know, hoping to encourage him. And we brought oil to pray over him and, and share some scripture with him. And, and we did that. But for an hour, we sat there. And you know what? Roger didn't really want to talk about the hard things that he's gone through in the last couple of years. We did a little bit. But what he wanted to talk about was how blessed he is. He said, I can't tell you all the things that God has done in my home. And, 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 and he, he cried as he talked about people that he worked with who stepped up to help and serve them and family members who've loved them and people in the church that have cared for them. And he talked about people that have come to know Jesus because of the trial that they've come through and, and, and doctors and nurses that have, have come to know Jesus because of it. And it was just incredible. I was sitting at the edge of my couch listening to every word that he said because when you go through an obstacle like that and you're talking about Jesus and you're talking about hope, you have a megaphone to the people around you. And some of you You've gone through obstacles. And, 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 and if, if we'll think about it, if we'll allow them to, we can use those obstacles as opportunities to talk about our faith in Jesus. You may go, well, you know what, Josh? I'm not a preacher of the good news. I know it says the believers preach good news, but that's for preachers to do. You know what's interesting about that? If you go back to, to verse one in this chapter, it said all the believers were scattered except the apostles. The preachers... The, the, the leaders, the disciples, they were still back in Jerusalem. The people that were preaching the good news about Jesus who were scattered, these were the people in your seats, not mine. These were the everyday believers that were allowing God to use the obstacles that they face to, to be opportunities to share their faith. Men and women at Seacoast, what would it look like for you to allow the obstacles that you're facing to let you preach the good news wherever you go? Being a mom, there's lots and lots of obstacles along the way, for sure. And, but the truth is, we have such an incredible opportunity. We might be tempted to see our job as a job that's never complete, right? It's very difficult to actually check off your to-do list. There's always laundry to do, there's food to cook, there's homework to check, there's discipline to be given, and the list goes on and on. But it says right here, the believers preached the good news. And you as a mom might not be preaching to a crowd of thousands. But every day, you wake up and you have little eyes and little ears that you're impacting every day. 
we have not just the opportunity, but the responsibility to teach our kids, the next generation, about who God is. You know, the world often will twist, manipulate, contort. We want to fit God into our box so that it's politically correct for our day and age. And I think God is saying, no, we need to teach. It is, we need to make it our business as moms to teach our kids who Jesus is according to the scripture. We are called as believers, as moms, to raise up that next generation, to be strong, to be victorious, to know who God is, and to stand firm on that. That's good. So what, what obstacles have you been facing? You know, maybe you're just coming through an obstacle. Maybe you're still in it. You know, what would it look like for you to allow that obstacle to be an opportunity? You know, there's so many obstacles that are represented in a place uh, like Seacoast and all of our campuses. I know um, whether that's dealing with loss, think about people in our church who've gone through grief and have kind of turned around and decided, I'm going to use this to help other people. Think about our friend Aubrey, who, uh, as we speak, just in the, in the, just wrestling with infertility, and we've been walking with uh, them for several years, and she decided this year, you know what, I'm going to bring some people into this journey with me, and she started a blog called For the Love of Mon Jeans, and she's starting a small group on Tuesday nights here in Mount Pleasant, where she's just bringing other people along the way, and it's not even through the obstacle yet, but she's going, you know what, I'm going to let this be an opportunity for me to preach the good news. You know, you might be surprised at who in your life would be open to hearing from you because of what you've gone through, because of the story that you've lived through, that might be open to hear the gospel through you. So we got to persevere through the tough times. Got to be willing to let our obstacles become opportunities. But if we want to experience great joy, there's more than that. The third thing that we have to do is we have to expect a miracle. Expect a miracle. And I love this part because this is kind of where God does his part. You know, the first couple of points, I mean, we persevere, obviously, with God's help. We, we turn obstacles into opportunities with God's help. But then there comes a point in our stories where God does what only God can do. We have to be a people who live with that expectation that God's going to perform a miracle in our lives. I know I will often pray when I'm in a difficult circumstance that's just beyond my control. Uh, I'll pray, God, please, God, I know you can do it. I need a miracle. I need you to do a miracle in my life. And then in the next breath, I pray, God, please keep me out of any circumstance that would actually require a miracle, right? We pray, God, protect me, keep us safe, wrap our kids in bubble wrap. We, we are warriors. <laughs> we are, we're fighting against the gates of hell every day. And so we need to not just pray, God, give us a miracle, but actually expect that he is going to show up on your behalf. He's going to show up in the circumstances that are beyond your control. That's good. Look what it says in the Bible in this uh, verse 5 through 7. It says, Philip, for example, this is a guy that we'll actually talk more about next week. Pastor Greg's going to be up next week to tell you a little bit more about this guy. But he went to the city of Samaria and he told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs that he did. Then in verse 7, look at this. It says, many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. You know what? Man can't make that happen. Evil spirits being cast out, paralyzed people walking, that's, that's the business of our God. That's the business of God. We can't do that on our own. And if you think about this from Philip's perspective, this is a guy, we actually meet him in the prior chapter. He's another one of the guys that serves in this 
single moms and widows ministry. We don't know that he has the gift of preaching. We don't know that he has the gift of healing. We don't know any of that stuff. We just know he's been scattered, he's been persecuted, and he shows up and he does what God's called him to do. And you combine that with the supernatural power of God and you see miracles happen. And some of you moms, you know, you, you just show up, you do what God's called you to do, combine that with the supernatural power of God. And I believe you can expect miracles to happen. Some of you are teachers, you know, and, and, and you do what God's called you to do, filled with the Holy Spirit, expect God to show up and the supernatural can happen. See, this is the part that reminds us of what the book of Acts is all about. It's about a people of God being filled with the Holy Spirit and seeing God do what only he can do. You got evil spirits being cast out with shrieking. Some of you grew up in a Pentecostal church and you're like, whoa, I think I know what, I, know what that looks like, you know? Uh, but what's happening there? You have people who are bound, people who are stuck, people who are hung up in addictions, people who've tried everything they can do to get unstuck. And you know what? Only God can unstuck some people. You know, and, and, and we see the power of God show up and deliver these people from this oppression and this bondage of the enemy. You have people who are paralyzed, who are lame, you know, who can do nothing on their own power to get up, but you have a God of the supernatural, a God of the miraculous who goes, you know what? If you'll believe for it, if you'll do what I've called you to do, Philip, I'm gonna do something that only I can do. I know as a leader in the church, Philip had to have some insecurities, had to wonder, is God gonna show up? But, he, but he, he went on and he did it and he expected God to show up and he did. Some of us are in a place today where we need a miracle. You know, we're in a place where we need God to do what only God can do. We've done all that we can. We need to expect God to do a miracle. I don't know where you are on your journey to great joy. You know, I hope you're experiencing joy, but maybe some of us were here and you know, our word today is perseverance. That's where we are. We just, we need to hold on. And if you're going through a tough time today, I just wanna encourage you, please don't quit. Please don't give up. You know, we're in a battle. Like Lisa said, we're facing a battle. This battle's not gonna be lost by fighting. It'll be lost by forfeit. That's the only way we lose, is we give up too soon. Don't stop praying for your child. Don't stop believing God for victory in, in, in whatever area you're stuck. Don't stop fighting you know, against the, the gates of hell because God has got a victory for you. Persevere, don't give up. There may be even some of you that are here today, you've thought about giving up, you've thought about ending your life. And I wanna encourage you, there is hope on the other side of this. There is a new day that God has for you. Do not stop, do not fight, or do not stop fighting. Don't forfeit, please fight. Others of us, you know, we've gone through some stuff. You know, we've gone through some obstacles. You know, would, would you... Maybe in faith, allow God to use those obstacles as an opportunity. Think about who's in your life that may need to hear what you've come through because they're either getting ready to go through it or they're in the middle of it right now. And use your circumstances, use those, what were wounds, now they've become scars and God can use them in the lives of people around you. And then there are some of us that we're on this journey towards great joy and we need a miracle. And you know what I'm believing for? I'm believing today in our campuses, in our church, as we go into response time, that God wants to do some miracles. He wants to do what only he can do. Do you have faith for that today? I just wanna remind you, if you are just looking for a miracle in a circumstance that just seems out of your control, the Bible 
calls God lots of different names. He calls him comforter. He calls him deliverer, redeemer, the great I am, the almighty God. The God that you're praying to, he's the same God who did incredible miracles in the Bible. Maybe take some time, look back through some of the amazing things that he did in the Bible. Because the same God that you are praying to is, is the God that parted the Red Sea. He's the same God that turned water into wine. He fed thousands with just a few fish and a couple of loaves of bread. He conquered death. And I just want to remind you, he is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He wants to do something in your life. There's a difference of knowing God by just reading the Bible and knowing God. But where trusting God, meets, where the rubber meets the road is when you're in a challenging situation. And you reach out to the Lord and you say, okay, God, I'm scared. I don't know how to do this. This is out of my control. But I'm going to choose to trust you. And I'm going to expect a miracle. I'm going to expect that you are going to show up on my behalf. That is the God that we serve good that's good so wherever you are um we're, we're grateful you're here and just believing that god's gonna show up in our midst would you guys pray with us as we close god i thank you um for your word i thank you for the simple truth of your word lord that even in these eight verses we can see uh that your word is alive uh in our lives god and i pray for uh this church and all of our campuses i pray lord that you would come in our midst and do what only you can do lord that you would heal up the brokenhearted that you would set the captives free as you did in chapter 8 of Acts. Lord, that you would uh, heal the sick. Whatever you want to do, we invite you into this place to do it. For those that are here, Lord, that are persevering, they're hanging on, they're in a tough time. God, I pray that you would just give us the strength and the courage to keep fighting. Lord, for those that need a miracle, Lord, we invite you to do what only you can do. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.